Today is Monday, March 2nd, 2015, and this is Radio Wave. Good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us on tonight's broadcast of Radio Wave. Our host is a friend of Medjugorje, and the world is a very different place than it was 33 years ago when Our Lady first started to appear. And since that time, she's guided and directed the world in a place where today she's speaking to us more direct. We're seeing her words prophetic, and she's giving direction for our present time to help us avoid things in the future. Tonight, a friend of Medjugorje is going to cover such things with us through the message that Our Lady gave earlier today through Mariana. We invite you to open your hearts to the prophetic message that he will speak to you tonight through Our Lady's message. So we ask you to open your hearts in prayer as we turn Radio Wave over to our host, a friend of Medjugorje. Perhaps you're going to Medjugorje this year, perhaps you're not. You may not even know that. But the call for Our Lady comes in a way that is confirmed through different circumstances, different ways. And Our Lady's calling everybody in the whole world to come to Medjugorje. Can the whole world fit in Medjugorje? No. Will the whole world come to Medjugorje? No. And many can't afford to go there. But Our Lady's been given an efficacy Recovery is so strong and so powerful that you can receive her there at your place, at your home, or wherever you are. She gave a message once that said, when you need me, call me, I'll come immediately. There's something different about Medjugorje than Fatima. There's something different about Medjugorje than Lourdes. Guadalupe, and all past apparitions. These are the singular events. These are the apparitions that will fulfill all Marian apparitions throughout the 2,000 years of history, starting with Stephen, which some mystics say that when he looked up, he saw the Virgin Mary when he's been martyred. She's been with us throughout the centuries, and that's one of her messages. I have been with you through the centuries. Why would she say that? Except when you put in the context that these apparitions are the last on earth. That should shake you. That should make you be thoughtful. That should even pain you to know that we're in the midst of something that many of your loved ones, many people you know, won't accept Our Lady. 
They're indifferent to her, even reject her. How sad that is, especially when she comes to give historic words of her words, as when Jesus gave his words, it's been recorded for 2,000 years. These words aren't going to go away. Everybody will know them that follow her. They'll be read second only to the Bible. But the meaning is for the people that don't understand scriptures and modern man to lead them to the scriptures. Our Lady Queen of Peace of Medjugorje's March 2nd, 2015 message given on the day for non-believers through Mariana. Dear children, you are my strength. You, my apostles, who with your love, humility, and silence of prayer are making it possible for one to come to know my son. You live in me. You carry me in your heart. You know that you have a mother who loves you and who has come to bring love. I am looking at you in the Heavenly Father. Your thoughts, your pains, your sufferings, and I offer them to my son. Do not be afraid and do not lose hope because my son listens to his mother. Since he was born, he loves. And I desire for all of my children to come to know that love. I desire that all those who left him because of their pain and misunderstanding may return to him and that all those who have never known him may come to know him. That is why you are here, my apostles, and I, as a mother, am with you. Pray for the firmness of faith, because love and mercy come from firm faith. Through love and mercy, you will help all those who are not aware that they are choosing darkness instead of light. Pray for your shepherds, because they are the strength of the church, which my son left to you. Through my son, they are the shepherds of souls. Thank you. Our Lady gave the words today that's strange, almost contradictory. You live in me, which literally would say, we live in her. And then she flips it around in the second sentence and says, you carry me in your hearts. How can we live in her and both she live in our hearts? What is she saying? Why is she saying what she's saying on this? Because she's trying to make you understand and hear and comprehend that she's one with you. She adds from there, you know that you're, you have a mother who loves you and who's come to bring love. She says, I am looking at you and the Heavenly Father. What does that mean? She, the queen, the mother, is looking at us in a way that she sees the Father. So if a, in a married couple, if they're married, they see their children resembling the Father. The father sees the children resembling the mother. 
And so when she says, you live in me, you carry me in your hearts, I'm looking at you in the heavenly father. She's showing we're really in family. The family that you have is royal. Jesus is your brother, the king, Mary, the mother, the queen, and the heavenly father. And this, this is an amazing thing in the sense that what's being tried to tie into us, that we have kinship in heaven. This is not something that really wants us to have just in theory. In other words, the family is so broken, so messed up, and people don't have it, that what they're trying to do is, or what she's trying to do is show you, you really do have mother. You really do have father. You really do have brother. This message today where she says, I'm looking at you in the Heavenly Father is a strange way of of understanding exactly how she sees us through the Heavenly Father. What do you think she's saying there? Well, that's exactly what I just said. She, when I look at my sons, you know, I can see their mother in them. When she looks at our sons, she can see me in, in them. I look at my daughter the same way, the mother, and she looks at the daughter in the same way. What, where do we resemble? Or what traits do we pass on to our children? These things are important in significance. Not so much that Ari has to say that, but she wants to make amends for the broken family today, for all the fractures in the family, to show you do belong to family, because people that don't know the love of God is those who's never experienced God's love. As we've said before, she's never referred to people who don't believe as atheists or non-believers, but those who have never experienced the love of God, where the father and the mother, that exchange happens between the mother and father. If you don't have peace in your house, if you don't have it where your family has a, a certain serenity, your children will want to leave. As soon as they get of age, they want to get out. And this is one of the things the family is a war zone. What our lady was talking about, was it January 25th? Well, uh, yeah, January 25th, when she says, also today I call you, live your vocation in prayer. Now as never before. Why? Because Satan wants to destroy the family. So the vocation is what? For a husband and wife. So we have this broken life that is giving people no resilience, no ability to live for any purpose, no have, no, what do you, what do you live for? I felt for a long time, even from my teenage years, I, I, I was born to die. How am I going to die? What am I going to die for? I prayed for my death most of my life. I don't want to die one second earlier and one second later than I'm supposed to. I don't want to forestall it. I don't want to say, give me 10 more years. I want the appointed time God wants for me. Many people interrupt that time because of the way they live. They live reckless. They do things that's dangerous. They harm their body. They do things that's not correct as far as their health, abuse, or whatever. And one of the most sacred things you can do is die at the time God's will is for you to die. And so many people, even the believers, cling on to life and try to extend it. And in some cases, if you're 40 years old and you're a car wreck and you're critical, yeah, try to extend it. But if you're older and what's inevitable, why not go meet Jesus? Get your heart in order. 
And so we're to live for a purpose and we're to die for a purpose. But many people make bad decisions. They're entangled and messed up with their life. And so they have, they don't die free. It's a beautiful gift to be able to die in freedom. Freedom from what? Freedom from all the bad decisions that you made through your life, that you made good decisions. And that's why he wants us to be happy, to approach death with joy. And she's trying to give us family, in the heavenly family, if you didn't experience those life. You can have that. You can have a mother. You can have a father. You can have a brother. This is real. This is not something mythical. It's not Greek mythology. It's a live thing that for people who have broken family can come into the family of God. And that's what he's showing us so, so lovingly and so beautifully about the heavenly father to think about him. Have your thoughts. She said that today. I am looking at your Heavenly Father, your thoughts, your pains, your sufferings, and I offer them to my Son. Do not be afraid. Do not lose hope, because my Son listens to his mother. Since he was born, he loves, and I desire for all my children to come to know that love. I desire that all those who left him because of their pain and misunderstanding may return. Who's that speaking about? What Yellen has told us about the love exchange between the husband and wife. Is how children learn to love God the Father. Where that's fractured, or where it's a war zone, or where it's not carried out to fullness, is to the degree one's injured. And they turn away in pain. They leave Christ, they leave the faith, they don't go to the faith because they misunderstand. But Ali says that I desire that all those who left him, her son, because of their pain, and this is the thing that of the family, and misunderstandings may return to him, and that all those who have never known him may come to know him. That's who you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be the representative of Our Lady as an apostle of what you've gone through and your thoughts and your pains and sufferings, offering them the Son that we can help these on the way. So often in conversion, one does not like what he sees and he becomes sick and tired of how he's been living superficially. To live for something is to die for something. And you want to make the right decisions in your life, even if you've made bad decisions to this point, that when you come and approach your death, you will be dying free from all these entanglements. And 
Lies sleeping in the blue I'll fight him all bandit Screaming I ain't scared of you Cause there's nothing stronger than a heart That's fighting for the truth So hold your nose, cannonball Someone let me through I'm going down To the bottom of the sea Until I found When she says in an apparition that she's looking at us, and Maria says it's an endearing thing that Our Lady scans the crowd, looks at each face, and here she says the same words, I'm looking at you, your thoughts, your pains, your sufferings. Do you think that she's saying in this message, giving us a clue as to what she's looking or how she sees us while she's in an apparition? I believe that the state of family is so, and so cri- so much crisis today. The absence of the mother in the home, the father, father and mother both following their own interest, the kids left alone. It's a tragedy. It, it, we, we can't even say family today is family, as God defined it. And in fact, we're so fractured that we have other people trying to define, define what family is. They're changing marriage to mean something else that it cannot mean. It can never mean that. They can try to say it. They can try to legislate it. But you can never marry according to what the world is trying to force down everybody's throats. And being successful at it because what we've done with marriage and in the family and so we've given the family over to reprobate thinking because we haven't kept it intact. We haven't kept it in the context that is biblical. And so we have divorce everywhere. And so in this question you asked me about Our Lady's looking, 
it's a mighty effort because she said the same thing February 2nd, 2015. I am looking at you and am smiling at you. I love you in the way that only a mother can. Can you imagine a mother who left and walked out? How kids and the tears on their pillow during the night. How many scars and how many wounded people there are out there that would just love to hear the mother say something like that. To hear these words, I'm looking at you, watching you sleep as you go go sit beside the bed. The mother goes in there and says, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at you. I'm smiling at you. See my smile, dear? I love you in a way that only a mother can. It's incredible. We don't have this. Yeah, you say, well, we do that. We have that. But look at the world. It's nothing about that. They're not even there. When they're there sitting on the bed, they got their cell phone. The kids got their cell phone. It's, it's crazy. There's no resemblance of what family is today. It doesn't exist. And we hope we made something unholy. It doesn't have the purity. Our lady goes on and says this February 2nd message. Through the Holy Spirit who comes through my purity, I see your hearts and I offer them to my son. Already for a long time, I've been asking of you to be my apostles. For those who have not come to know God's love, that's what we're asked to be. Because we've been in the family. We followed Our Lady. She's given us examples of who she wants us to be and pulled this thought, this mentality that you belong. You belong to something. I've said it before, but it's worthy of repeating in the context of this question about Our Lady looking at you, that the Marines saw their numbers dropping. The Army's enlistment numbers were dropping. The Navy's enlistments were dropping. And all across the militaries, this was happening. So the Marines did a study. They went out and said, who's growing? Why are they growing? And do you know where they ended up at? With gangs. Their numbers were increasing. And they studied them. Why are they increasing? Because they have fraternity. They look out for each other. They have adversaries that unite them to be stronger. And they have discipline within their ranks. And they live a tough life. The Navy, the Army, mostly for women, weaken their standards. Right now, I just got to read about the Rangers in the Army. They want, them, they want women to get in there. They said they're not going to weaken and change the standards, but they will. And what's going to happen to the numbers? The same thing has been happening. So the Marines realized what they needed to do is step up things harder, make boot camp more difficult, make it tougher. When they did this, their numbers increased, just like the gangs. People want to belong to something. It's important for them to belong to something. I don't want to belong to a church that's so weak, it won't tell me when I'm in sin. I want to hear from the puppet to know this. I want to hear from the puppet screaming out, these marriages that's taking place is wrong. Yes, show all compassion possible. If they're repentant, if they're acknowledging the sin, but you're not being compassionate, saying, well, okay, that's what you do, that's what you, I don't want to say nothing. And many people are saying this. If that's what you want to do, it's your problem. No, no, you're not being loved to these people that saying what you're doing will send you to perdition. This is sin. This is wrong. You can never be married. You can never have an illicit relationship like this. And you're not that way. You weren't born that way. 
And most people see us in compassionate. No, you're in compassionate by tolerating it. You don't care about these people. And it's one thing to be afflicted with this in your mentality, thinking that you're wrong, or, or that everybody else is wrong, why can't you have this kind of relationship, when in, in fact, that's been coming from the church as silence. I haven't heard anything even in Alabama from the pulpits about what we're fighting right now in our, in our Supreme Court, stopping abominable marriages. And so uh, many Christians, half of them, the statistics is, well, I'm not for it, but that's what they do. Who am I to say? You're to say something. And you're also, if they want to be, they're wanting us to accept this as a norm, and it's not norm. And so it is, the military, when the Marines start doing what they did, they increased their numbers. I want to belong to a church that will say the truth about this, that you're dead wrong. And if you feel that you're inclined toward these things, you have to amend your life. And no, we will speak down. We will condemn any actions to put this into law. That's where we step up. And, and people, and especially Christians, don't understand you've got a right to sit there. They have no right to sit there and put this into law at all. In fact, even if it's law, you don't have to obey it because it violates natural law. And no law anywhere in any country, any place on earth can pass a law against nature. When you pass that law... It's invalid. Every Christian is, is obligated to defy it. It has no jurisdiction over you. And you don't have to do anything to comply with it. Will man punish you? Yes, they did that 2,000 years ago for their violations as Christians as it was growing. But that's the kind of church we need to belong to. If they come to you and say, oh, I'm in sin, this is wrong, I'm struggling with this, and I, I won't help, that's one thing. But they be so proactive in saying this is normal and not sin is very, very wrong on their part and very, very wrong on your part for not fighting and standing up against this and denouncing it and condemning it. We've got a confusion about love the sinner and hate the sin. So we move to a position in our society by many people who hate the sin and tolerate the sinner's actions. We don't have to tolerate that. And so this whole move for us, just like the Marines, we need to grow to a stronger leader church. And this is what a lady's coming to, to the family. She's bringing us, she's saying, I'm looking at you. She's pulling out all the stops possible to let you know in this fractured world, this fractured family, that there is a people that exists that's called the family. And if you can't have that physically in your life, you can have it divinely. And this is why she says, I'm looking at you. She wants to comfort you in this sense. And that's when she says, you live in me. You carry me in your heart. I'm looking at you in the heavenly Father. This is family. Addressing what you just said, though, before we move on further, particularly about what you just said about some of the issues that are coming up in the, in the world today, it's, there's an immediate onslaught against anyone who does anything like that, what, doing what you said. Uh, and you mentioned Judge Roy Moore, I think. Um, he immediately, the media and everything immediately came up and said something, and it, this guy just gets passed off as if he's just an extremist. The law experts say, ah, that's not whatever. There's a whole host of things that come against that, and people, Christians, have a fear that that they don't want to be labeled that way, and so I won't take that, I won't do that. Maybe I should be more moderate so that I can reach more people. Can you address that? Address exactly what he's well, saying. Well, the... the the philosophy that some people take 
that maybe not to be so extreme in going against those things so openly and so strongly, but maybe be more moderate about it. Maybe you'll win more people over because it seems to be you, you've got your people like your principled people who stand firm. And then you have the other people who are good people, but they're more moderate in, a, in addressing some of these issues, maybe because really mostly because they don't want to be labeled as an extremist. So how would someone who's taking that attitude, because I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who think, well, I shouldn't do that because you see how they slaughter this guy's reputation and I, I won't be effective that way. So therefore, I should be more moderate. What about Addressing that, people who might take that position, is that legitimate or not? It's illegitimate. I just got to read the statistics. 25% of the people are principled in Alabama against this. 25% of the people are principled for it. The other 50% is they really don't care. They're Christians. They wouldn't do this. They're not going to be that way. And then the other side, on the other 25% of that half, that 50% is like, well, either way. And it's dead wrong. We have to understand that this is rebellion against God, and there's nothing that comes from it but disaster. But people say, though, if I take that extreme of a stance, though, people are just going to pass me off, and then nobody's going to listen to anything I say. They passed off Jesus for what he said, but his words are still here. And Rora, Judge Rora just put out that he's convinced Although everybody's turned against him, he's got the courts, he's got the attorneys, he's got everybody saying he's radical, he's extreme. He said, quote, I'm convinced the history's on my side showing me right. He may lose, but he's doing the right thing because he's not weighing out consequences, and this is what we're to do. You stand on the principle, biblical principle of what's correct, and don't worry about if you'll be defeated by it, you're recorded and history is going against it. Jesus had everybody against him until they killed him. But his words are here, and his truth shines forth, and theirs don't. Judge Wilmore will be a hero, even though he's despised by many today. And of course, his people, the active groups that promote this life of abomination, are, are cons. They're corrupt. They're trying to say, they never mention is, is, is considered a sin or not. It's love. This is not love. This is something this is something of perversion. And so we can't say these things. And you say, well, what about the person that we, we addressed a little while ago? Or somebody has trouble with it. Well, you help them. Help them get over it. But you're not helping them to accept this is something we're going to in law. This, this is what they're saying. They're putting forth in Alabama right now that we're going to lose. You might as well just give in to it. That's them wanting you to say that. They're saying everybody's starting to accept this now. They said they couldn't do what they did five years ago. They couldn't do what they're doing today five years ago in Alabama. Alabama is targeted by radical, radical people to change it. They're going to the, the states with the highest resistance against this. Those who are pro-biblical, the strongest in biblical mandates against these things. And they make more and more and others who stand up to, to seem extreme. You're hurting my rights. You're violating me. Do you think that that attack, particularly on Alabama, is tied in some way to Our Lady's apparitions here? No question. There is no question. The Mother of God came here. She said on this ground here, Former make programs through which we'll pray for your healing and the healing of this nation to draw closer to God and to me. Satan hates this state. 
There's businesses that have moved here, huge, mega, mega construction projects. They said they come here because of the morals. So what do you do? George Washington is driving or, or riding his, on his horse across the fields, and they know they kill him, they kill the whole army. And so we knew things from the beginning, even the commerce that developed on, on the highway near here, we, there was nothing there when Our Lady appeared. And we knew it was the encroachment of the devil because through commerce he could smother everything here and encroach right on the grounds here. And so we, we know this. No, I've always had this in my heart of understanding that Our Lady is establishing here something so sacred, something so holy, something so important that she's got history here, miracle after miracle after miracle. And I'm, talking, I'm not talking about just individuals. I'm talking about just the cross on the mountain. is miraculous. Satan's attacking it right now. He doesn't want that cross there. He's trying to take it down. This may shock you when you hear it, but that's what's happening. It's facing to be destroyed. They want to get a track hole up there. You know what Maria told me? I was telling her about it because she's interested in about it. Maria says, we lived under Tito. We lived under communism. Never did they try to take the cross down. And I said, whoa. She kept on talking. I said, wait, Maria, wait, wait. I want to write that down. What? I said, say that again. And she said it again. We lived under communism and they never tried to take our cross down. And that's government land. It really struck me that we have crosses across the country that's coming down, just small crosses. Not a three-quarter million pound cross that's been put up there for 20 years of prayer before it has ever been able to be built with miracle after miracle to get it there. But this thing represents something for our nation. Satan hates it. The Bonobos hate it. When I say Bonobos, I'm talking about those people who want to put in the law that their lifestyle is okay. We should fight that with our whole life. Everything we have in us, we have to fight it. Because they have no right to do that. There's no right to say that you can, you, you can kill. There's no right to say you can steal. They can't do this. And so we have this acceptance. And I'm just amazed at, at the bishops in America not standing on the pulpits and just screaming this out. Because this is the final degradation that happens before society is destroyed. As I said earlier, that this, this is such a rebellion against God that it is no, there's no path in this except disaster. And so we've got to start living in the heart of what the call is for God, for us, the family, to be. If we don't do that, we won't be. We can live Jesus like we leave a home with misconceived ideas, Many youth want to leave home because they've got the idea, I can't stay here anymore. But your soul longs for Jesus, and your soul will always long back to your roots. But if you have a broken family, you don't. So how do they go back to Jesus if they have no memory of him or no love in the family? And so we can always parallel the things about just growing up somewhere in a place that all you want to do is leave. When you leave, you realize, I want to go home. I want to have that in me. I want to be there. And so what, is, what does go home again in the heart means? And for lady's trying to get us to see that if Jesus is your brother, I'm your mother, come home to me. Because we have a, in a, a profound thought and wanting of home that's so lacking that people can only imagine that or being the thoughts which are later saying about thoughts, pains, and sufferings. 
that this wound has people where they, they're nomads. They don't know where to go to. And so our lady wants us to make the home. And we can see that just like somebody leaving on a town, how they go away, and they want to do that. Trying to keep me down I've taken all I can I ain't looking back Small town boy in a backyard lot Can't make a living with the luck I got I'm gonna leave it all I ain't looking back like you to address Our Lady's use of strength in her message today. She uses it twice. First sentence, you are my strength. You, my apostles, are my strength. Then at the bottom of the message, she says, pray for your shepherds because they are the strength of the church, 
which my son left to you. Who is you? You are my strength. It's almost like she's saying two separate things, but it's more circular. Well, I wrote in Bishop's Imprudence, Prudence, and in that I defined for the first time the separation of what is a shepherd. We know the bishops are the apostles. We know the successors of the apostles of Peter and Paul, are Peter and John and all the 12 apostles and on so, so forth. But that's Jesus' apostles. So the church gets so rotten and so decayed that as I, what I wrote in called Rebuilding the Church, that there's no way to rebuild it from the inside. And God decides to send a light and the people recognize, what are we to do? Our church is falling apart. How do we rebuild the church? That you rebuild over the top of it while the church stays intact, which is our bishops, our priests, or those inside the church, many who are injured by the old church collapsing, the stones that fall upon them, because it's centuries old, it's decayed, and how do we renew it? Our ladies come to tell us, you don't have to change the church. You don't have to change your faith to another denomination. You build over the church. And what our lady's doing in the world today, she's the light that comes to us and gives us new concept that you are my apostles. You are my strength. Jesus is, is this what she says here? Pray for your shepherds because they are the strength of the church which my son left you. This is the successor of, the, of, of Peter, the apostles. And 2,000 years later, the church is so sick, so messed up, that it can't be fixed from inside. There comes a point when you've remodeled and you've remodeled and you've done all you can do and you can't restore it anymore. And in the gates of hell, we have a promise, will not prevail against the church. But the gates of hell are against the gates of the church. He's there. Which pope was it that said the smoke of Satan's entered into it? Was that Pope Pius? It would be Paul VI. Paul VI. The smoke of Satan's in the church. We've got a pope that said that. Once he's got the smoldering embers in there, how do you fix it? And this is what our lady is saying. Dear children, you are my strength. You are my apostles, who with love, humility, and silence of prayer are making it possible for one to come to know my son. Why aren't the, why aren't the bishops doing this? Why is she not saying they're the ones who do it? Her reaction to them is you pray for your shepherds because they're the strength of the church. They're the ones that administer the sacraments. I can't do that. You can't do that as a layperson. But what I can do is what they're not doing. And there's not a lot happening in the being able to break through these centuries of not spending time in the bureaucracy in the church. It comes a point where you just got to demolish a building. I just heard of some famous building that I was reading about somewhere. I think it was Las Vegas. They brought it down with dynamite. It just it comes to a point where it's got to be brought down. But we can't do this to the Catholic Church. The hierarchy, the structure has to stay intact or you have anarchy. We have to have that. And that's what all he's saying. Pray for your shepherds because they are the strength of the church. And she seems to contradict this. Dear children, you are my strength. You're my apostles. So if you're locked down on the idea of a conflict and a conflict between two apostles, you don't understand what all he's doing. 
There's a whole series of writings and several shows that define this very clearly. We need the bishops. We need those shepherds. We need to pray for them. And they need us. That hasn't been acknowledged on their side. We acknowledge it on our side. And in fact, most of them don't even understand we're knocking at the door. They should be saying to us, what do you need from us? Well, we need this. We need mass. We need the sacraments. Okay, you just tell me what you need. The wisdom bishop would stand apart from the U.S. bishops' conferences and all what everybody else is doing and stand up as he is the pope of the diocese. You don't have to do all this collectively. And many bishops are, against, are in fear of going against other bishops. Stand up and do what's right. Don't worry about the consequences. Let the consequences fall where they may be. This is what Judge Wormore is doing. He's standing up. He's already been impeached off the Alabama Supreme Court once. He stood on principle. He ran for governor and lost. He ran for governor again and lost. And he said, okay, I'll run back to Supreme Court justice. Nobody said he could win. And he won by 50, over 50% 50 of the vote. Why? Because he gave that up, standing on principles to keep the Ten Commandments in the rotunda all legal, got impeached for it, and God put him back on the office of the chief justice in Alabama. Pretty remarkable. How did that happen? He didn't worry about the consequences. And he knows they're trying to remove him now. They're right now, some of the judges and the circuit, some, some powerhouse people in Alabama are trying to get him off the court again. But he's willing to go down, not considering his stance, holding on to this job above what God's law is and standing on that principle. And so we have a lot of bureaucracy, a lot of politics in the church. Our lady wants to be unrestrained. That's why she's on the mountains. That's why she's not in the church appearance. She don't want to be there. The bishops keep ordering out, ordering out, and they're doing the will of God. Bishop Zanuck did the will of God for the visionaries to be banned from St. James Church, banned from the church grounds, because that's not where they're supposed to be taking place. Our lady wants freedom to speak. She wants to be on Cross Mountain. She wants to be on Apparition Mountain. She wants to be on the private chapels of the visionaries, or wherever they go, or out here in the field, where she's happy. Especially on Apparition Mountain. She's extremely joyful with angels, often 10, 15 minute apparitions, speaking. I've been there with bishops in the church down in Mexico when a lady would say something and they'd only read the message. And in fact, they had thousands of people drawn there. They didn't even acknowledge that Maria was going to have an apparition. No, we just want Maria here to get the numbers so we can do our big speeches and all the pomp that happened. When Maria comes here, we're building around the apparition. We want to be underneath our lady's mantle. We want to be there right with her, laying at her feet. Because we want to know who she is. We want to be with her in a special way. But most people don't want that. If they're working within the bounds of the church and saying, well, the church hasn't approved this and you have to, you are free. The church gives freedom. The church is a free church. And so Vatican II had to come along to free us up for Medjugorje to come along. Had not Vatican II happened, which a lot of people and conservatives condemn Vatican II wrongly because, yes, evil will use things and twist it its way in such a way that it can't be put in a position by people who would be more conservative or more orthodox like us that we're not extreme in that view because we do this in moderation that the rules of the church 
became loose enough for Our Lady to do what she's doing in Medjugorje. Had the church not opened up through Vatican II, Our Lady would never be able to do what she's doing today. And so we need to learn the heart of Our Lady. We need to learn who she is. How do we do that? She's telling us the silence of prayer are making it possible for one to come know my son. And she says this beautiful words, you live in me, you carry me in your heart. We need to think of Our Lady in this Easter season. Who was she? What did she say after Jesus ascended into heaven? This is where she tells us today, my son, listen to his mother. How did she pray to him? Think about that 40 days after the resurrection, he left and went to heaven. What a dark night was it that was for her. And how much she yearned for the morning light to come into heaven, to be brought into that glory of when she assumed into heaven. But if she's asking us to carry me in her heart, and we need to yearn for that, then we need to contemplate what, the, what was those days on the earth that she spent how did she pray to Jesus? What was those words she said to him? And we need to be saying the same thing that she did because these words would be beautiful and they'll teach us something about how Our Lady herself cried out in heaven to Jesus who had already ascended. Can wash this from my mind. 
Help but keep coming back to this same point again because the the show's gone a number of different directions. But and you you said something in the broadcast that peop, we've heard people say. You hear people say it about politicians. You hear people say about bishops. You hear people say about politicians. Why don't they just do this and why don't they just do that? You hear people say about the bishops and priests. Why don't they just say this or why don't they just do this? How come they're doing this? And I guess that's my question. Why don't they? Well, we're told never to judge a priest because that's Jesus Christ. It's true. But there is a human action that's taking place, but he's still Christ. So you don't criticize in that sense. But we can't deny the fact that Our Lady says that the shepherds are Jesus' strength for the church at the end. And Our Lady says the laity are the strength for the church, really the new church, the new apostles. Because if there's new apostles being rose up by her, like what Louis Marfort said, then there's going to be a new church. So we come to the question that's begged to be asked then who are they and who are we? And how do we avoid a conflict as this grows and manifests in the hearts of the Medjugorje people to realize who they are? That Are we to stand up with the bishops? Are we to be in union with them? We can't be in union with them in the sense of what our call is because their call is to administer the sacraments. Our Lady says, Pray for your shepherds because they are the strength of the church which my son left you. Through my son they are the shepherds of souls. So they shepherd the souls through the sacraments that they can administer that we can't. But what they can't do, because of the dynamics of the times, is bring in the souls to the church like we do. So we're there. Dear children, you are my strength. That's me and you. That's us in the community. That's everybody else. She says, clearly, you, my apostles. She's drilling this monthly, constantly. Why is she doing this? When it seems that it's going to be some kind of crossroads or crash, or rather maybe clash, between the bishops. Well, if you don't understand what this means, it will be a clash. We're apostles. I had a bishop one time told me in a meeting, he said, I look in the mirror every day and say, I'm an apostle. I said, Bishop, I know that. You don't have to tell me that. I believe that. I'm a faithful Catholic. I'm obedient to the church. I'm not going to be disobedient. And, and I won't go any further than saying that. But, but this was said... As if there's a lack, there's insecurity because the thing's not being done. And our lady's here because things aren't being done in the church. And there's an incapability of over, overcoming the obstacles that Satan has built inside the church. I don't know bishops personally that they have relayed, or not relayed this, but have confessed to it and admitted that a lot of what's happening is the bishop's faults. Now, are we supposed to be fault finding? Our lady says, don't even judge it. That's God's problem. But we are to see who we are and who they are. So we're the fishnet. We're out fishing. We're on the streets. We the people. Our Lady says, I come from the people. That's a message. Our Lady's with us. And you have to drill this in you. Drill in these words today. You are my strength. You, my apostles, who with love, humility, and silence of prayer are making it possible for one to come to know my son. Who's one? All the non-believers. All those who people who have, have, have suffered. And now what is she saying about us? I'm looking at you in the Heavenly Father, your thoughts, your pains, your sufferings, and I offer them to my Son. Do not be afraid and do not lose hope because my Son listens to his mother. What does his mother want? Let me have my apostles. You had yours. I want mine now. That's where we are with this whole situation. 
She says, since he was born, he loves, and I desire for all my children to come to know that love. She's out there to go get every person upon the earth through us, the laity, her apostles. And she says, I desire that all those who left him because of their pain, misunderstanding, may return to him, and that all those who have never known him may come to know him. How? To who? You. She says, that is why you are here. My apostles. She didn't say the apostles or be an apostle. She said my apostles, my strength. Who? You are my apostles. And as mother, I am with you. She's accompanying us. For what? For what we have to do. She tells us, through love and mercy, you will help all those who are not aware that they are choosing darkness instead of light. People have built this mission we have. There's layer people out there speaking about darkness. And she says, you go after those people who are choosing darkness instead of light. Why is it? Because the dynamics of the time demands that something external, outside and above the church, and I don't mean above in the sense that we don't answer to the church. I mean, we're building something over the church because we can't leave the church. We can't leave the faith. And so we're building a new building over it. And once that's built, everything else will be torn down because the people that came from the laity who called through us as apostles will become seminarians, the priests, and the nuns of the future. And this will wash out. And so we have to have our shepherds if people think are so so dark in their, their understanding that you just attack them or you do this or we don't need this, then you're asking for anarchy. This is what happened in Libya. We got rid of a dictator and now we got, and that was keeping some kind of structure. So if you got good structure or bad structure, you stick with it because God can change that and will change that. But if you eliminate the, the, the structure, then only anarchy comes and there's no way to build order. You can't build order. And that's what Satan wants. He wants us one versus the other. The clash may come in the future where some of the apostles of the successor of Peter may be very much more against us as apostles through jealousy. Because already we experienced glory. We did it today. We had some incredible things happen today with moving a mentality that knows a lot of people toward what we do that wasn't even of our faith at this moment. Not even in church. Not even going to church. And it's a joy to see this. And it's us who are anointed with this power. It's us who are given an incredible ability to say two, three sentences that changes a radical mentality, not a radical mentality, but change a mentality radically to a different way to see things and think. We see it every day. It's very profound and very powerful. Why is it very powerful? Because the lady says, pray for the firmness of faith because love and mercy come from firm faith. And through love and mercy, you will help all those who are not aware of their choosing darkness instead of light. She says, I am with you. So we as her apostles have her with us. And there's something else beside us just giving and conveying the message or a new way of life. She's with us. She's doing something in our hearts. And you can have somebody crying that's not in the church and not even understand what overwhelmed them just by visiting us for a few hours 
This is the power of God. It's beyond us. We see Our Lady in us. She's in our hearts. She's in the way we live. She's in the way we talk. And we have the joy of seeing people come into the light of the mentality of the messages of Our Lady. And so we live precious moments, incredible moments. And the most important part of this message is, Dear children, you are my strength. You are my apostles. And the ending, pray for your shepherds because they're the strength of the church. She's put it together. They've got to learn who they are. She's teaching us who we are. The question is, are we going to do that? And so we have people everywhere with broken hearts, but none more than Jesus. Jesus' heart was broken at the cross. We have people who leave him because of the pain and misunderstanding. How do we mend that? Be her apostle. Mary said, I desire that all those who left him because of pain and misunderstanding may return to him. That's going to happen through you. And so Jesus speaking to us tells us, you make up your mind now. Time's over. Decide where you're going to be. Because there's still enough forgiveness in his broken heart that you can amend things through good in these souls. You made up your mind It was time, it was over After we had come so far But I think there's enough Pieces of forgiveness Somewhere in my broken heart I would not have chosen The road you have taken It has left us miles apart But I think I can still find the Some 
Change the road your own and close the miles that separate you from Jesus. Mend his heart in a place you broke it. Loving Our Lady is enough to console that broken heart of Jesus. Now is the time of decision. We wish you a lady. We love you. Good night. This ends the Radio Wave Show with a friend of Medjugorje. To listen or download free, go to medj.com, spelled M-E-J dot com. Go to the left-hand menu, Radio Wave, and click on Past Shows. You can also order this show on CD by contacting Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. Again, 205-672-2000. Thank you for listening.